Well, I think that they've got to be open and honest with each other, that if there are feelings that they have about that their needs aren't being met, that um, they need more novelty in the relationship, um, that they feel like they're not spending enough time with each other, whatever it is that's upsetting, that they do commit to at least bringing it up to their partner. Because if you just sort of let it go and let it go and let it go, you end up with this very blasé attitude, um, this complacency, Mm. um, and very often you look you know, for another way to get your needs met, which then ends up in the extramarital affairs. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I look at the most recent U.S. Census data that has uh, recently come out. It dates from 2008 to 2018. We discuss what it means, what's missing, and uh, the state of marriage in general. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And today, uh, we're going to go over some uh, census data. Um, There was uh, some new Census Bureau data from the American Community Surveys, uh, which is like a branch of the uh, census, and they released information showing divorce rates and marriage rates between uh, 2008 and 2018. Uh, The great thing is that the marriage rates increased during that decade and the divorce rates decreased, um, which is awesome. So I have an odd observation that I noticed though, when I was looking at this data, Mm -hmm. the the data is broken down by rate of marriage uh, and divorce of women. Now Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, well you can extrapolate. So if a woman got married or divorced, like, okay, yeah, well that would apply to men too. But like, no, what about gay couples? Mm -hmm. And so my, I'm wondering, uh, if they were included, then are women counted twice and then are men completely ignored or what do you, what do you make of all that? What do you make of the admission? I'm not really sure, but I think it's a very astute observation on your part. And, um, it may be that they're not recognizing gay marriages, um, and they're they're just not thinking in terms of the way you did that that's still a marriage and so you have to put that into your data. Um, you know they they're obviously thinking of traditional marriage uh, and therefore um, 
not considering uh, alternate styles of um, you know matrimony. Right. Um, so I, th- I think you're you know I think as I said I think it's an astute observation on your part, and probably um, the data might change a little bit. Though my this is my gut feeling. I have no evidence for this. I don't think there's as much divorce in homosexual marriages as there are in heterosexual marriages. Hmm. And again, I, I have no data for that. Yeah. Uh, it's appar- just a hunch. <laughs> Apparently the Census Bureau doesn't either. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, t- but let me tell you why I have the hunch. Okay, go ahead. Okay. It's almost like years ago, many, many years ago, if you found a woman doctor when it was, you know, really very unlikely that women were doctors, you knew that she had to be really smart mm. because she had to work really hard to become a doctor since that was a field that women were cast out of. Mm-hmm. And I think that for gay couples, it is so difficult to have a relationship and to then, you know, finally be allowed to be married, that they work harder at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't necessarily fall into the same traps that other married, you know, who married couples in, right. a, in a traditional marriage might fall into. So that's why I have my hunch. But as I said, uh, if anybody out there is a researcher, perhaps that's a good research yeah. issue to look at. Can I give uh, a more generous uh, interpretation for towards the uh, census? Sure. Um, Marriage federally wasn't legalized until 2015 in terms of the Supreme Court striking down all bans on um, all the laws that banned same-sex marriage. So with that being the case, it might have just been, well— we can't really do this kind of a survey on uh, marriage rates over a decade when it's only been legal for three of those years. Okay. So that makes sense to me also. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, but I'm, put, I'm, I'm putting the census on blast right now. We're about to do another census. This, this better be part of it so that we have this information <laughs> going forward. I know uh-huh. it's already been taken care of and printed, but whatever. Um, okay. So as I mentioned, um, the good news is that the um, across the country, marriage rate is up. Divorce rate is down. Utah mm-hmm. led the way in the marriage rate. So meaning mm-hmm. out of a thousand people, uh, like 28 out of the thousand were getting married, kind of a s- statistic. And, and Arkansas led in divorce, not something to be proud of, but they were leading mm-hmm. in divorce. So... Um, even, even Arkansas, though, even though they uh, had the highest rate of divorce, they also went down over the last mm-hmm. decade in their rate of divorce, mm-hmm. as did basically everybody. So mm-hmm. um, this goes counter, and we I know we've talked about this before, but I want to bring it up again. This goes counter to many of the narratives that you hear that people aren't marrying as much and every other person gets divorced. Um, mm-hmm. it, the data says that's just not true. Um, do you have any thoughts on how we can change this perception in this country? Well, I think a lot of it is going to have to do with the media. 
Um, that's where we get our information from. Um, and that was how we originally heard, oh, 50% of couples are getting divorced. Divorce rate is really high. You know, relationships are really in trouble. Uh, I think that a lot of it is going to have to do with the media saying there's a new study that's come out that marriages, in fact, are on the rise, that divorce is decreased, um, and start spreading the word that way. Yeah. Um you know, and the media could be on the TV, it could be in what we read, you know, there's a number of different ways, even social media. But I think that's the way we're going to have to do it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, because I mean, you bring up media and how, how people first heard that, like that report um, of the 50% divorce rate. That was, I think, in like the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And it has perpetually stuck with us, mm-hmm. which, is, which is crazy how resilient that data point has be been. Oh, I, I don't know if it's because it's like such a nice, easy number to remember. You know, it's harder to say like, you know, the divorce rate's like 38% or something right, um, right. <laughs> than 50%. So, uh, yeah, well, we're doing our part. So hopefully uh, anybody listening is passing along this information that divorce is down. Um, so with that being said, people are still getting divorced. Uh, the leading causes for divorce um, are uh, basic incompatibility at 43%, mm-hmm. infidelity at 28%, mm-hmm. money issues at 22%. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the study found that emotional or physical abuse accounted for 5.8% of divorces, while uh, parenting disagreements and substance abuse ca- each caused 5% of divorces. Do any of these causes surprise you though the causes and the percent that are given don't surprise me they do upset me and i'll tell you why okay one of the things that i am happy to hear when a couple comes in is we just aren't compatible anymore mm-hmm. We just feel disconnected. And we discussed this on a podcast somewhere along the line. Because what typically happens with a couple is that you're busy, you're stressed, you have kids, life gets in the way. And all the lovely little nuances that you do in the beginning of a relationship just get lost. And so eventually, you're not really functioning as a partnership or a couple. And so you start to rewrite history and you say, well, we're really incompatible. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when a couple comes in and says to me that they feel disconnected or they feel incompatible, I know that that's something that can change for them to, for that to be the highest percentage of the cause for divorce is upsetting to me. There's no reason for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just going to say about this compatibility thing like that, that actually really surprised me too, because I'm like, that seems like that would be the easy one. <laughs> like I'm assuming that people got married because they were compatible. So, uh, one of the questions that I wanted to follow up with on this was would cohabitating before marriage help bring that number down? But it sounds like your explanations for the incompatibility is probably not. Yeah, I, I, I think I do believe that, um, by living together beforehand, it might help you find out that you are or are not uh, compatible. 
But that does not take away from my explanation of what happens later on. The other thing, and we've discussed this also, is that, as we know, there are many people who slide into marriage because they've been living together, because economically it just made more sense to live together. And so, well, we've been living together for so long that we might as well just get married. And so... um, just because you're living together doesn't sort of guarantee that things are going to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, as I just mentioned, many times people live together and just get married because, oh, well, we've been doing this anyway. Um, I want to go back to the other factors that you mentioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um You said infidelity is 28%, and I certainly understand why that would lead a lot of couples to get divorced. However, um, that is also something that can absolutely be worked on. It does not have to be uh, a death sentence for the marriage. Um, You know, it's it's a rough situation to um, work on. Uh, Somehow within my practice, I've gotten a subspecialty in helping couples with infidelity. Mm. And if the couple is really willing to work on it, then it can actually be um, something that um, can turn the marriage around um, and that they can have a new marriage. So again, that saddens me that there are so many marriages that dissolve because of that. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I have um, personal friends where they're, I would, you know, from the outside and from the, the conversations I've had with them, they have told uh, they've told me that their marriage actually got better after it because it forced them to mm-hmm. address some of the issues that were yeah. there already. Yes, yes. Uh, money issues, yeah, I can I can see that. Although, again, very often money is representative; it's symbolic, and so if you want to work on money issues, you really have to look at what are the emotions, needs, feelings that each person has because money can be about control. It can be about power. It can be about insecurity. And if you address those issues, then the relationship will be better as well. Well, I'm going to add to that too, is, um, part of the money issue thing that I also find interesting is if you are a person that uses money to your point about it being a symbol of things, if you're a person that uses money for power purposes, that's not mm-hmm. going to go away when you divorce and get together with somebody else. Correct. Absolutely. You, like you're Absolutely. going to take those money issues with you. So you need to get them under control. 100%. Well, we could expand that and say whatever issues you have in your marriage, right. just because you change partners doesn't mean you're not going to bring those same issues into right. the next marriage, right. which is why you will hear somebody getting divorced one time, two times, three times, you know? Right. Um, now, interestingly, only... of divorces are due to emotional or physical abuse. Right. Yeah. That number should be much higher. And when you compare it to the other numbers, it's really lopsided as far as I'm concerned. Now, I, when I'm at conferences or whatever, there are people who believe that a divorce should occur because of the three A's, affairs, alcohol, or abuse. Hmm. In my, uh, I'm sorry, affairs, addiction, or hmm. abuse. Affairs, okay. addiction, or abuse. Now, I've already told you my uh, thoughts on affairs. Right. 
Um, addiction, I'm so-so on. Um, it will depend on if the person who's addicted to whatever it is they're addicted to is really willing to own up to the addiction and truly work on it. Um, not just say, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just a hobby or it's not a big deal or whatever, you know, but if the person is truly willing to work on their addiction, again, I hold out some hope. I'm somebody who really, um, puts out a lot of hope for a marriage and will work really hard with a couple. So I'm not going to just say like other people, well, you know, addiction means a relationship should end. What I will say is to me, like the, the stopgap at all costs is if there's abuse. Mm-hmm. If there's abuse, that should end a marriage. And it's sad to me that it's only 5.8%. I think a lot of people stay in an abusive relationship when they shouldn't. They're afraid. They don't feel good enough about themselves for a number of reasons. But that number should be much higher. What's interesting is I feel like there's an empowerment imbalance in that, right? So when you're being Mm -hmm. abused, like you don't feel like you have the power to do anything about Mm -hmm. it. When you're incompatible, Mm -hmm. you're like, ah, I can get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's Mm -hmm. it's a weird, you're right. Like I I felt the same way that these numbers should be flipped. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, okay, so then my my last uh, main question I have for you is, um, in an article that I read talking about the census data, it also mentions a 2019 study by the National Center for Biotech Biotechnology Information that found that uh, quote a lack of commitment mm-hmm. was the leading cause of divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, and they went on to explain that this lack of commitment often led to extramarital affairs or just complacency toward the partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how can couples beef up their commitment toward one another? Well, I think that they've got to be open and honest with each other. That if there are feelings that they have about that their needs aren't being met, that um, they need more novelty in the relationship, um, that they feel like they're not spending enough time with each other, whatever it is that's upsetting, that they do commit to at least bringing it up to their partner. Because if you just sort of let it go and let it go and let it go, you end up with this very blasé attitude, um, this complacency, mm-hmm. um, and very often you look you know, for another way to get your needs met, which then ends up in the extramarital affairs. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's really important that if you are starting to be dissatisfied, not to just, you know, watch to see what happens or let it go or whatever. I think you owe it to yourself and to your partner and to the relationship to speak up. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting because like, as we were just talking, it is, it's, these issues don't go away. Like, I think that's what this all comes down to. It's like Mm -hmm. having issues, you cannot ignore them and expect it not to rear its ugly head down the line Mm -hmm. in some Mm -hmm. form or fashion. Um, this is great, Karen. Was there anything else that you wanted to uh, mention before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, the only thing is that, you know, I think we've spoken in other podcasts that uh, people are getting married later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that's a good thing because things are uh, decisions are being made with a more thought out uh, attitude as opposed to just lust or you know impulse or things like that. So I think that the more, even though love is supposed to be so romantic and emotional, it's really important to think about. Um, Will you really be able? Are you really compatible? Um, You know, do you have the same values? Uh, Do you think the same way about money? Do you want to raise your children the same way? Do you want to have children? You know, do you want to raise them the same way? Um, And the more thought that you put into the decision, the better the marriage will be. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to to add on to that, uh, to your point, we, looking at uh, marriage happening later and the success rate of that, um, you in an analytical aspect, you have more data points. You know whether yes. or not they have a college degree. Not one day we're going to get you know get married at nineteen years old and then maybe maybe not we'll go to college. You know if they have mm-hmm. a career. You know you know what I mean. Like you have all these added data points yes. that help inform yes. your decision about what your financial outcome might be and where you might live and like all sorts of stuff that would have been an, or could have been issues in the past with the younger. Well, yes. And, and also if you, you get to see the more mature person and, and right. how they function as far as being responsible. The other piece that I'd add is that you don't want to rush into marriage because again, the more you're together, the more data points you have about how this person acts in times of stress, in times of, um, uh, being tired, you know, different different Variable factors that might be right. negative, right? In different environments, whatever. So you have more ways to assess who this person really is, and if this is a person that you really want to spend a lifetime with. Right, right. That's great. Um, okay, well, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much, Karen. It is always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Uh, And with that, we will wrap it up. But before we go, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information and more at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can find this information and uh, all of our resources at Hitch mag.com we have thousands of articles we have a newsletter that goes out weekly of of course you can find the entire archive of this podcast there and much more so hopefully check that out hitchmag.com and with that we will uh, call it a week until next time take care everybody we're on top of the world tonight